Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Welcome again, everybody here at Community of Hope. And hey, if you just joined us on the stream, my name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for joining us here for worship today. We're broadcasting here from one of our locations in Loxahatchee, and we're just thrilled that you've joined us for worship today. Glad you're with us here today. Well, it's good to see everybody here in person. Uh, I've been gone. I was gone for about a week or so. I went to North Carolina on vacation with my family. We always go to the Outer Banks of North Carolina every single year with Leah's side of the family. We're in a house with 21 people for a week. (laughs) Woo. And nobody dies the whole week. Isn't that great? Yeah, no, we had a great time on vacation, so it's good to be back here. Uh, Pastor Dale is still getting some renewal time on vacation with his family. And so we had our future, our our campus pastor of our future Lake Worth campus that's going to be opening up in December, Pastor Brandon Weaver. He was here last week. He preached. He did a good job. Good job, Brandon. And if you're listening, we honor you. Good job. Love you. Even if you made fun of me a little bit, that's okay. So uh, listen, we are going to be continuing our series this morning that we're calling Speak, Lord. Everyone say that with me. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. And what we're doing is we're taking a few weeks uh, to talk about this idea of how to engage the practicing of listening to God's voice in God's word. We're some of those crazy people in the world today that believe that God is actually real and that he actually still wants to speak to people today where you can learn to hear God's voice. There's a lot of people who might not be religious, but they may consider themselves spiritual. Um, that's more and more of the younger generation who's coming up. I think more in older generations, people might be hard, uh, like, ah, you know, I don't think there's anything there. Some people are agnostic. Some people are becoming very spiritual, but not religious. And I want to tell you today that the most spiritual thing you can do, if that's you, if that's you here in this room, is to learn how to actually hear the voice of a God who's real, who is full of love and mercy and wants to speak to you and talk to you. There's nothing more spiritual, and can I say there's nothing more life-giving than learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit whisper to your heart. If you know I'm talking about, say amen. 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 So if you want to grow spiritual, this is one of the best things that you could do to grow in your spirituality. So uh, what we're doing is we're engaging with the Bible to learn how to do that. Now, we believe that God speaks in many different ways, but the clear way that he speaks, we believe, is through the Christian scriptures, because that's what Jesus taught. That's what Jesus believed. That's how Jesus engaged um, direction and hearing what guided guided and, and um, undergirded his prayer life with the Father, was learning how to do this in the scripture. So we're learning a prayer that the prophet Samuel learned when he was just a little boy. It comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. This is kind of a theme verse. It's awesome if you memorize this, because if you memorize it, then it'll become your prayer. And so let's read it out loud together on the screen. If you're streaming with us online, read it wherever you're at too. Ready, go. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And when we learn to say that to God, and when we engage with him in the Bible, We can learn to tune our ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's like a dial on a radio when you're trying to find the right station. Um, If you're younger than 25 in here, radios weren't always digital. Sometimes you just had to just get it just right. This is how we tune our ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit 
in our lives is we do this first through God's word, then learn how to apply it to our hearts, and then all of a sudden you begin to hear him speak to you through it. So we're learning how to do that in this series. Now, the interesting thing as a preacher and as one of the communicators in this series is we could preach on whatever we want to talk about, any passage of scripture that we want to talk about at all, we are allowed to do, except it has to be in one of the seven chapters of scripture that our church is assigned to read together in our Bible reading plan called Word of God Speak. And if you don't know about it, just go to our website, communityfolk.church slash Bible. Couldn't be any easier than that, right? Communityfolk.church slash Bible, and you can see the reading plans. You can sign up for them in the YouVersion reading app. It has to be one of those seven. So if we're reading all this together, if you read a chapter a day in our reading plan, you will come to church on Sunday, and the preacher will preach on one of those passages of Scripture that you read from the previous week. That's the only constraints. So we'll get to that here in just a moment. Here's how I want to start today. I want to talk to everybody about tests. That's right. I want to talk about tests with everybody. I'm convinced of three things in life. Jesus is Lord. Coke is better than Pepsi. (laughs) Don't come at me. It's just truth. It's just truth. Coke is absolutely better than Pepsi, and I'm convinced that everybody hates tests. Everybody hates tests. Now, don't come at me being like, I was the valedictorian of my school, and I got all straight A's, and I like tests, and stuff like, yeah, 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 but listen, I bet you hated the presidential physical fitness test. Dash those pull-ups, right? So we all have some type of test that we don't like. Um, for me, I hate spelling tests. I'm horrible at spelling. Don't judge me. I went to public school, okay? Listen, I'm horrible at spelling tests. To this day, if you came up to me and said, Trevor, I would give you $100 right now if you could spell without spell check, restaurant. Can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's embarrassing. I know. Don't leave. Go to another church just because that. No. So I put online, I asked everybody on social media, I said, hey, so what are some of the type of tests that you hate? And a bunch of people chimed in. There was 114 comments as of last night. And man, you guys, there was some really fun stuff. Okay, so where's some of the tests that other people hated? Well, it seemed universal. Everybody hates pop quizzes and surprise tests. Didn't that just ruin your day in school, right, to get a pop quiz from a teacher? That was no fun. A lot of people hate uh, those tests to help them in, uh, to get into school or to get into grad school, the SAT, the GRE. Anybody in student ministry studying for the SAT right now? No, it's summer. Who cares? Okay, SAT. <laughs> The GRE, the ACT, and I've got a couple lawyers talking about the bar exam, how hard that was. Everybody hated math word problems. Like, not just math, but math word problems, right? Right? Like, if I have four pencils and you have seven apples, how many pancakes will fit on the roof? (laughs) Right? Uh, People also hate math with symbols. Like, not numbers, like letters, like straight from the pit of hell where the devil's like, we'll put the alphabet in math. Yes. <laughs> Everybody hates that. Oh, people hated multiple choice tests. Like just select all that might or might not apply. Dash you. Oh. Um, universally, every teacher that commented on it, all of them, all of them hated standardized tests. All of them, right? Every teacher's like, amen. Ugh. We had we had one teacher put on there. Didn't have this written down. One teacher put on there, I love tests because when it's test day, it's easy day for me. I'm like, hey, 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 I have kids. Hold on now. Everybody hated group projects. T- 
timed test. Everybody hates those ge- uh, geography tests where you have to put like a pinpoint or you had to name what one pinpoint was where for a city. But if you're off by one millimeter, there are six other pinpoints. You're going to get it all wrong. Those are super frustrating. So these are all type tests. People are thinking of schools. But then a couple of you demented people um, <laughs> got really funny with the tests and started to talk about some other tests that you hate. Some people said, I hate personality tests because then can people figure out my brand of crazy. What are some other tests you hate? Paternity tests. (laughs) This is y'all. This is you. This is you. This is you. What other types? (laughs) What other types of tests do you hate? Breathalyzer tests. Oh God. Oh. Just kidding. Said just kidding. And then the worst one, the worst one in the whole list came from a member of my own family. You know who you are. What's the worst type of test? Colonoscopy. Oh, oh, move on, move on. Oh, no, no. Oh, gosh. Sweet Jesus, help us. Man, oh, eight pounds, 12 ounces, baby Jesus, help us. Okay. So where am I going with all of this? Where am I going with all this? I can't believe I just did all that. Okay. <laughs> Nobody tell Dale. Okay, great. Okay. So where are we going with all of this? Here's my point where we're talking about tests. The passage of scripture that I picked to um, journal on, I just didn't journal on one day, but what I journaled on and then to develop it into a message for everybody today, talked about tests. And it challenged us that there are some types of tests that come to us that we shouldn't resent, but there's some tests that we should actually celebrate. So the passages I had to pick from this week, I had to pick from Hebrews chapter 8 through 13, and then James chapter 1, those seven. So I decided to pick James chapter 1. We talked about 1 Samuel 3, we've talked about Hebrews, now we're going to talk about the book of James here today. Now, uh, what we teach people and how to engage God's word and to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit through the Bible and to learn how to tune your ear to his voice is we teach people to journal. Reading the Bible in and of itself will transform your life in ways you cannot even imagine. All the best parts of your life will come from your practice of reading the Bible, but will really turn on the afterburners is when you learn to journal about what you read. This has changed my life as a pastor coming here to this church and learning how to journal through God's Word. I have a stack of these moleskin journals this high from being here at Community of Hope and learning how to do this process in the Word of God Speak Bible reading plan. Um, this is these little moleskin journals. I just have boring black ones. I'm sorry, ladies, I don't have flowers or, you know, sayings on mine. I'm, you know, my favorite color is black and, you know, whatever. Um, all the most important decisions I've ever made in my life and the most life-transforming moments and the deepest things I've heard God say to me have come through my journaling. It's the thing that makes my life tick and grow. And so what we teach people to do is when you read, to use an acronym called SOAP. Jessica talked about it two weeks ago. And here's just sample pages. You won't be able to see it from here or on the camera or whatever. But what we do is teach people to use an acronym. SOAP, S-O-A-P, S-O-A-P is around here somewhere, S-O-A-P. We just teach them to do that. I don't go pages and pages. I do like a page. Sometimes it's half a page. Sometimes it's a full page. It just differs depending on the day. 
And um, we just journal through that. And so what I'm going to do today for a format for the message is I'm going to share with you in the SOAP format of what I got from James 1. So we're not only talking about the subject matter, but I'm going to teach you how to do it too. Sound good? So we're talking about content and skill development all at the same time today. So the scripture that I chose, so S in SOAP for scripture, I chose James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Sometimes it's just good to pick a verse And sometimes if it's a verse or a thought, the thought might span a couple verses. That's okay. But just pick on one thing to journal on. So I picked on James 1, 2 through 4. And so here's the scripture that I journal on. It's this here. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because... You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Would you pray with me? So, Lord, we just simply pray. What we're learning to do as a church, every heart, here and online. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, let's talk just for a moment about the book of James and what we just read to give a little bit of context to what we're talking about. So James is a fascinating book of the Bible. It's in the New Testament because James was actually the little brother of Jesus. Now, he was not one of the 12 disciples. Um, Jesus' inner circle within the 12 was the three of Peter, James, and John. This is not that James. Same name, different person. Church tradition, church history calls this James we're talking about today, James the Just. James was the son of Mary and Joseph, which made him the biological half-brother of Jesus, because we believe and teach that Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so James, the half-brother of Jesus, son of Mary and Joseph, James was not a believer during Jesus's earthly lifetime. If you remember the scriptures, we've read plenty of times where Jesus's mother and his brothers would show up at places to yank him out of ministry situations like, have you lost your mind? What are you saying to these people? Who do you think you are? Come home. Then they were going to commit him, right? They were not on board. James was not on board with it. But, you know, strange things happen when you predict your own death and your own resurrection, and then you pull it off. Somebody should listen to you. In fact, what we know is that James claims, even though he was not on board when Jesus was in his earthly ministry, after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to James himself and said, I'm actually the son of the living God. I've died and I live forevermore. And James became a believer. James then became a leader in the church in Jerusalem, and even the global church at the time as it was sweeping across all of the Roman Empire. He ended up calling his own brother Lord and God. I want you to think about this. What would it take for you to confess that your older brother is Lord and God? (laughs) If that's not convincing of Jesus' divinity and lordship, I don't know what is. And I love my older brother, but he ain't Jesus, okay? (laughs) It says a lot 
it says a lot, and let me tell you, this is not some like weird family business where it's like this cult and anybody in Jesus' family was benefiting from this fringe, weird religious movement. James, shortly after writing this, was martyred. He was killed for declaring that Jesus is Lord. So he's either completely out of his mind or his brother really appeared to him and his brother really died and rose from the dead and is really vindicated as the son of the living God. So this is James. This is what we're talking about today. So scripture, James 1, 2 through 3. I'd write that in my journal. Observation. Here's where I go. So my observation, O for observation for soap. I would start noticing a couple things in this passage. First, I would notice the word joy. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Write down the word joy. Joy. I noticed it in verse 2. Look here. It says, considered pure joy. Not partial joy, half joy. That's a little joyful. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. When you face trials of many kinds, not like a trial here and there, one trial every five years, lots of trials. It's like James is saying, hey, when life gets hard, be happy. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to punch you in the face. Right? It sounds weird. People don't think that way. I don't act that way. I don't think most of us do either. And let's just be honest. That's not a natural disposition for people to have. I hate discomfort and pain, especially with trials and difficulty. When I was a little kid, when I would go and have a temper tantrum, I would literally be the kid who would walk to where there was carpet and then throw myself on the floor and have a temper tantrum. I've been this way my whole life. I hate pain and discomfort and difficulty. I do not like it. My natural disposition ever since I was a kid, it's a character flaw and default, uh, character, it's, it's both a flaw and I guess it's my default. I should, you know, it was the first I was misspeaking, that's actually true, um, is to be a whiner and to be a grumbler and a complainer. My parents put me in martial arts, not because they thought I would be good, but because I needed to toughen up. It's true. And so when hard things come my way in life, I complain and I hate them. And I think most of us do too. In a lot of ways, I think that's normal. And what James is saying to us is, no, 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 no. Consider it joy when hard things come your way. Most normal people don't think this way. No, what James is saying here is not, let's celebrate pain because we enjoy suffering. That's not what he's saying. He substantiates his claim. If you're taking notes, write down this word, tests. 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 He substantiates his claim and still, again, sticking in the O for observation, and notice verse 3. He says here, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. James adds to his wording the concept of trials, he adds the concept of testing, and this is really important here. James explains that trials are actually tests for our faith to grow and to grow in perseverance, which is the gritty art of not giving up. Now, let's talk here for a minute about this concept of tests. Okay, In the ancient world, um, in antiquity, all across the ancient Near East and all across the Roman Empire that spoke, uh, that spoke Greek and used Greek, 
um, the words of trial and testing in Greek. Everyone would understand the usage of these words if you lived in that day and time. But we need a little bit more understanding because we don't have this in our vocabulary and in our broader consciousness anymore. What they're talking about with trials and testing was anytime anybody, uh, any ancient Greek philosopher or teacher, anybody, or even biblical authors who use the same concept to bring biblical truth into it, always talked about the trials and tests were for good. Never for like pop quiz from the gods to see if you'd screw up. It's not that. It was always to develop good in somebody, which is really important. Because the first thing I want to clear up any potential misunderstanding that could happen here is when people are saying, well, trials and tests, this is first off, it's not temptation if you're taking notes. That's not in the screen, but listen to me, this is not temptation. Just 10 verses later in James, in James 1.13, James assures us of this. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anybody, because God is holy and good and wants nobody to fall into sin. That's the heart of God. So notice here, we have tested trials and temptation. The enemy of your souls and spiritual forces of evil work in the heavenly realms that are working to crash and burn your life will bring temptation to you as an opportunity for you to do evil. When God brings a test to you, it is an opportunity for you to grow in goodness and to grow your faith. It's different. Everyone understand? Okay. Now, this is important. Why in the world then would God use hard things like trials and tests to grow us? Like, God, certainly there are other ways that you could grow my faith and through difficulty. I mean, can't I like, I just read a book instead, you know, I'll prefer that. Well, here's why. God understands that the way of the world in this fallen world that we live in, the way of the world is atrophy. It's atrophy. That in life, unless you put things under tension, unless you put things under strain, they will atrophy, they will wither, they will deteriorate. This is true for your body. Unless you put your body under physical exercise and strain and tension, your body will deteriorate and atrophy. This is true for your cognitive ability. Your mind will slip. Your mind will deteriorate and not have its capacity to grow and to think and to process information if it's not put under strain and challenge. And it's true for your faith. That without strain... Your faith will atrophy. The way of the world is you either growing or regressing. There is no middle ground. It's the way everything works. Let me give you an example here. How many of you guys saw in the news about uh, Virgin Galactic last week? Richard Branson taking his uh, first civilian flight to space. How cool is that? If you too can go to space, if you're a gazillionaire, Right? Um, you know, but it's just so cool, the concept of it, to where, like, this is them in zero gravity on their initial flight. I mean, I just think it's super cool, the idea of, wow, people can go to space and experience zero gravity without having to be an astronaut for NASA. That's pretty cool and pretty neat. I'm inspired by that. He's doing that, and Jeff Bezos, they're, like, racing to space for all this other stuff. It's really neat. Now, that is a short-term civilian flight to space. Still super cool. However, if you're an astronaut... 
who is in space for a long period of time, maybe if you have to go to the space station or if you're doing experiments with SpaceX and NASA or whatever else, um, you actually have to have a really regimented schedule. Like, it will put any... Where's my type A people in the room? It'll put all of you to shame. <laughs> Their schedule is so regimented by five-minute increments um, that they have to so much to do. But every single astronaut in space, check this out, exercises for at least two hours a day. Like, some of us are lucky if we get two hours a month. You know what I mean? Two hours a day. And it's not because they're bored and they don't have anything to do. They have a lot to do, but they have to exercise for at least two hours in space because of the conditions of microgravity. And because of being in microgravity in space, the threat of them to lose muscle mass and bone mass is a huge danger. And so they have to put their body under strain so it won't atrophy. And it's true with your faith. This is the way the fallen world works. Maybe when uh, we're in heaven and God creates a new heaven, a new earth, it makes everything new. Maybe we won't need strain to present, prevent us from atrophy. And then there won't be any death or sorrow, mourning or pain. But in the world with death, sorrow, mourning and pain, we atrophy. And God knows, if I don't put you under strain, then you will wither. And so he makes a choice that any loving parent would do, is to put people under strain versus just letting them deteriorate away in comfort. Now, to be very, 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 very clear, what I am not saying, not saying, so everybody hear me loud and clear, Pastor Trevor is not saying this. I'm not saying God is the author of evil, of suffering, of abuse, of pain. Um, many Christians have different views and understandings of how to explain a world full of pain and hurt and come at it from a lot of different perspectives, and there's a lot of grace for all of that. Um, here, particularly at our church, we kind of just go at it from the perspective, hey, I, I just don't believe God is the author of suffering. I just don't. Death and sickness are not Jesus's friend. The Bible's clear. Those are his enemy. Right? Make sense? So, I don't believe every difficult situation you might be facing is from God. I do not believe that. But I do believe with every fiber of my being that God is so good that he uses even the worst of situations to work for your good. Romans 8.28 says this. Romans 8.28 says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now notice, this is a conditional promise. This is for those who love God and want to follow him. And if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, this is one of the best promises in the Bible, that Jesus can transform your pain and work it for good. It's one of the best reasons to follow him. So, God bring God uses tests and trials. Not all of them are from him, but he takes everything, even the difficult things, the painful things we experience, and use it as a test to grow our faith, to grow us test. Now, we're still only in observation, believe it or not. And there's one thing I notice in verse 4. James says here that let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'm noticing the word perseverance. Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Um, I mentioned earlier that I did martial arts growing up. We're a martial arts family. I take martial arts. My um, oldest son and daughter take karate. One of these days, I'm going to get my wife, Leah, into it. She would love it if I could convince her to do it. Um, and we all do martial arts. And so my son, about a month ago, was getting ready to test for his red belt, which is like, mm, he's getting closer to black belt. That's awesome. The night before his test, he was just being a kid, and he had an accident in our house, and he cut his head open. And we had to go to urgent care and put a staple in his head. And it was the night before his test, and the doctor put the kibosh on him testing the next day. Now, I was the dad in the room going, so what if he doesn't get punched in that spot in his head? Can he test? And the doctor said, nope. And the doctor put him on the injured reserve list. Karate went off the table for a little bit. And he was devastated. He sobbed about missing his test. And he didn't even cry when he had the staple put in his head. That's how dedicated this kid is to karate. So trying to get a, uh, a makeup test and all this other stuff, around, long story short, one month later, he finally got to have a makeup test. Instead of having a room full of kids, his rank to test together, it was him and the sensei alone for 45 minutes at the dojo with us watching. And let me tell you, when it's just you and the sensei, it's like 10 times harder. My eight-year-old kid did at least 100 push-ups in a 45-minute period of time. I mean, he worked his booty off. And let me show you a picture of the result of it. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Yeah, so that's, uh, that's our friend and sensei, uh, Shihan sensei, uh, Scott Rusnak. And so they're great friends of us. We just love going to karate there. Now, here's what's fascinating about this. Um, I'm telling you this for two reasons, sharing this. Like, I'm not just bragging on my boy. I'm proud of my boy. Let me show you pictures. <laughs> During the test, it's like 45 minutes long. At the 43-minute mark, sensei Scott said, okay, I want you to you know, get in your karate sitting stance. And so he kneeled, put his hands on his, and he started asking philosophical questions and valued questions about karate. And he said, Cade, what is perseverance? And my boy looked at the sensei and said, perseverance is like when you're in a test and it gets really hard of just not giving up because you want to pass your test and not quitting because I want to pass the test. And I'm sitting there going like, he is writing my sermon. <laughs> say it again. Can you say it again? What? And then a lot, I mean, it was like, wow, man, God, you're doing something. Okay, okay. You know, I, I was proud of my boy, and that was cool. But here's the really cool thing about what happened, what I noticed. Uh, Sensei Scott looked at him and said, you're right. Very good. Kate, let me ask you a question now, though. Hypothetically, if I were to fail you today for your test, would you quit? And first, Cade went, what? <laughs> and he said, you know, like, if I failed you for your test today, would you quit karate? And Cade went, oh, pff, no. He didn't even think twice about it. And Sensei Scott pulled out his red belt and gave him his promotion right there. Pretty cool. Here's the point. What I learned in that moment was this Sensei, his heart and his passion when he gives Tests is not to just see, are you going to pass or are you going to fail for my own entertainment? His passion is to promote his students. His passion is for every single student who walks in the dojo's doors to become a black belt, to make them full and mature and complete as martial artists. 
And his entire idea with this whole testing thing and his questions for my son was, will you persevere even when it gets hard? This guy and how this works in all dojos everywhere is if a student shows up with a willing heart and a spirit not to quit, they will become a black belt. My son cannot make himself a black belt. He cannot do it. He cannot transform himself. But if he just shows up and says, I won't quit, no matter if he passes or fails a few tests in between, his sensei is good and will make him a black belt. And it is true for every follower of Jesus in this room and online. No matter what hardship you are going through, no matter what difficulty you are going through, even if you fail a couple tests or two, you in and of yourself cannot make yourself mature and complete. You can't become more like Jesus in your own strength, but we have a good master who's better than any sensei who says, if you just show up and don't quit on me, I'll get you through every test and I will make you mature and complete and like me. And I'll use every trial and every difficulty for your good. Second Corinthians 4.17 says this here, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. God is working something eternal in me and something eternal in you through temporary pain if we don't give up and if we lean in he'll bring transformation to it all he's that good now I'd like to invite the band to come on up and for all my type A people in the room you're going you didn't do A and P I know (laughs) I know I'm going to get there here in a second so what's the A for application? So scripture, observation, what's the application for all this? Like, this is nice, great, great truth. What do I do with this? This is what I applied to my life. And sometimes my application is just going to be for me. But I think the application I draw on this week is true for all of us. And we're going to put it on the screens, this phrase here, that applying this to my life and asking the Holy Spirit, how do you apply this to my life? I felt like the Spirit was saying this to me this week. I'm not going to grumble my way through a trial. I am choosing to grow my faith through this test. Now, I want people in the booth to just leave that up there for a while. This is what James is saying. Consider it pure joy when you go through a hardship you go through trial and a test because of the opportunity of what God is about to do in you that will go into eternity but going through a temporary trial and a temporary test. For me, I'm a complainer. I'm a grumbler. I'm a whiner. And God is challenging me. Man, put your complaining aside. If you just change your perspective about what you're going through, it will bring eternal blessings to you. So I'm not going to grumble my way through a trial. I'm not going to complain. I'm not just going to endure hardship till it's over. I'm going to choose that no matter what I'm going through and perseverance, I'm choosing for this to grow my faith and I'm leaning into my sensei's work inside of me. So what's my test I'm going through right now? Well, just right now, for me, um, 
It's some of the stuff that we're doing here at Community of Hope. We're part of a growing church, and growing things have growing pains. Every parent of teenagers said amen. <laughs> um, growing things have growing pains. And let me tell you what my inner dialogue is, apart from God, a lot of days. I don't know how I'm going to do it all. I don't know how I'm going to do it all. I don't know how I'm going to do it all. I don't know how I'm going to do it all. I don't know how I'm going to do it all. Maybe you've felt that too in your work, what you do. And this is why we're talking about volunteers, all this stuff is good. But here's how Jesus is challenging my faith. He's saying, hey, are you going to grumble your way through a season? Or maybe I'm allowing this to come as a test to you to see if you actually believe I am who I say I am and I will do what I say I'm going to do. So Trevor, in this way, I'm saying to myself, I could do way more than I think I can. Not because I'm better at my job than I think I am. I could do way more than I think I can because Jesus is strong, because Jesus is wise, because Jesus has wisdom and has ideas when I don't have any, because Jesus gives strength when I'm empty, because Jesus is working in situations in ways that I can't. I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and my faith is growing. You see that? Now, for me, that's what I'm dealing with. That's weak sauce compared to what some people are dealing with. My sister-in-law, Nina, was here a couple weeks ago in October. Many of you know, she got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. This week, she got to ring her bell in her final radiation treatment. Here's a picture of it. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> Nina says, I wouldn't trade this for anything. Now, God, I don't believe, is the God of stage four breast cancer. I don't believe that's from him. But he's used it because Nina let God use it. She said, I honestly wouldn't wish this on anybody else, but I wouldn't change my journey because of what God has done in me through this and how he's grown my faith. Can you imagine the faith it takes to say that? And then some people are even dealing with way different hard situations even than that, like our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Cuba, who are under oppressive regimes and communistic, atheistic regimes that are suppressing the gospel truth of Jesus and putting people in jail. And there, all the protests are exploding across Cuba. We should pray for our brothers and sisters in Cuba, right? Amen? That's a different kind of trial and test too. We all go through different things. Some of us have a new task we're trying to do. Some of us have a major change in life we're navigating. Some of us are waiting on a delayed promise from God. Some of us are asking God, why? With a loss you've suffered? And some of us are enduring hardship like, Lord, I don't know how long I can do this. We're all going through different tests. And so that comes to prayer. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Would you bow your heads? I want you to think about what trial and what test are you going through? And then ask God to speak to you. Say, Jesus, how do you want to grow my faith through this test? Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. together now in response. When I was praying for us last night, and I felt God kind of pop a picture in my head. And we're going to do something a little bit different here at the end of our service for prayer. Um, instead of just praying for everybody, I felt 
like God knew that there's going to be people here today, maybe people online where you are going through a trial and you're going through a test and it's hard and you're tired. And for those who are just feel like they're out of gas and they got nothing left in their tank. And so we don't do this much here at our church, but we just only from time to time will do something like this. If you need God to give you fresh strength to persevere, if you're on empty and you don't know if you can continue any longer, would you be willing to raise your hand? Thank you. I see you. Keep it up. Keep it up. For everybody who's streaming online, say something in the chat or just hold your hand up where you are. God sees you even if I can't. Let me pray for those of you who need strength who are on empty. Jesus of Nazareth, son of the living God, you are the God of hope and the God who renews strength. What we just sang, would you do right now in this room? Would you breathe your breath of life and bring the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit upon every weak and tired and grieving and broken heart in this room and online and minister strength to them? You are the God who renews strength to persevere and to endure. Would you do it now? so that we may not give up, so that we will persevere and we may become mature and complete in you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in God's grace. We'll see you next weekend.